Everybody and welcome to our latest episode of Tales from the Doghouse, Separation Anxiety Explained. So my name's Sarah, I'm from the UK, from Separation Anxiety Solutions, and with me today is Stacey. Hey, I'm Stacey Bell from the US, and I am at Focused Fun. And I'm Ness Jones, I'm from Separation Anxiety in Dogs Decoded and I'm from Australia and today we're talking about a big one. It's crates. Yeah, it's a big topic for most people. Um, before we get started I've got a couple of little stories that I'd like to share with you guys. Um, the first one is from a lady called Anna who reached out to me this week um, and she's got a German Shepherd called Tinky, which is a fabulous name. I love that name, Tinky, especially for a German Shepherd because yeah, she's kind yeah. of think of a little dog's called Tinky, but this is exactly. a big one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Tinky has severe separation anxiety and she's getting worse. She has destroyed things. We took in, uh, we took in, oh, we took to crating and putting her in an area of the house where we thought she'd be safe. The last time we all went out, she destroyed her crate and badly cut her own face, just missing her eye. Although I hate the crate, Tinky has pulled down Venetians, torn off fly screens and tried to get through open windows. My parents' dog lost a lot. Oh, sorry, I'll start again. My parents lost a dog through blood loss after their German Shepherd went through a window. It's my biggest fear. So until there's a better solution, the crate is all I can do. Oh, okay, so that's pretty heartbreaking. Um, the other lady that reached out to me this week as well, um, she has a dog with separation anxiety. Her name's Sophia. The dog is called Uzo. <laughs> that's the most disgusting drink ever, really? but anyway. <laughs> the like dog's it. cute. I didn't, I didn't know that Uzo was a drink. It's Greek, yeah. It's you know heard of it. It's really sickly sweet. Oh, sorry if you're um, Greek listening to this, but yeah, it's... Uh, it it's um, it's like perno, similar to perno, and it? it's on a CD strong. Yes, yeah, it's very strong. Um, so but I'm the not dogs... very cultured, but maybe <laughs> they like super sweet drinks, or maybe their dog is super sweet. Their dog so is super like... sweet. Yes, it is. He is. Um, he's beautiful. Um, okay, so his dog's got separate. Uzo has got separation anxiety. Um, if he's in his crate, he barks and cries. If he's out of his crate, he destroys everything in the house. He has been known to dig around exit points, e.g. the front door, and every time they go out and he's out of his crate, he does something very, very naughty, which is destroys all their electronic devices, TV Ooh, remotes, okay. phones, all sorts of things. So um, obviously that's a hazard in itself, but, uh, yeah. So anyway, I just thought I'd like to I'd share those two stories with you about crates um, and why, why people create them. I think people do use crates sometimes in these situations when they feel like that's the best choice out of a lot of rotten choices. You know, those mm. dogs that are jumping through windows or getting tangled up in blinds. And you certainly hear a lot of stories about that and a lot of stories about dogs that injure themselves trying to get out of crates. 
So I think I think the biggest thing there is just a maybe misunderstanding of the training itself, right? Because if if they're doing the separation, the home alone training, then the dog is staying below threshold and absences are being managed, right? So there's not a risk of the dog feeling so panicked that they destroy or try to go through a window, putting them in the crate and then leaving them to have a bad experience is, you know, not only can be dangerous for the dog, but also not doing anything about the underlying anxiety. Exactly. So we're not, when we put the dog in the um, crate, it's basically management, isn't it? Uh, but we're not actually changing the way that how the dog feels about being home alone. Um, the other, I suppose the, the other side of that is, is how many people are told by friend, you know, the, the, the neighbors, the friends, the people down the pub or all these people, the, you know, the great, they, uh, that are told that, you know, you, you, you must put your dog in a crate because that's what you need to do. That will mm-hmm. fix separation anxiety. And there's a lot of older trainers, yes. and certainly using older methods that will also tell people to put dogs mm-hmm. in crates for separation anxiety, not just the other stuff. Yeah, so reasons why we might use a crate uh, and why, and personally, and I have said this before, I believe all dogs should be crate trained, Um not to leave the house and have them locked up in a crate, nothing like that. But there are reasons why we might crate train a dog and that might start with toilet training a puppy can help mm-hmm. with that. Um, it can also be a safe place or a den. So uh, if your dog is, if your house is full up with people, maybe kids running around screaming, all that sort of stuff, it's full of activity. It can be, and your dog's feeling overwhelmed um, and just it's a great place for your dog to go and maybe take itself away and feel safe. Um, I mean, they, we talk about crates as kind of a den, don't we? But um, it can just be, you know, your house, there might be a thunderstorm, there might be strangers in the house and your dog's not very social. Um, and it, the crate can actually become a refuge for them. Um, you know, if you, you just leave the door open, you don't have to shut, shut them in necessarily. I think that they're also great for um, if your dog has to overnight at the vets, then you're, um, you know, obviously they're going to be in a crate and in in at a vet. So it's nice if they're used to being in a crate, so they don't have to um, uh, freak out when they go there. Um, if your dog has had surgery or um, has been injured and your vet has prescribed strict confinement, then we know that they can comfortably rest in a crate if they need to, if they're used to one. Um, and in addition, um, if you do dog shows or competitions, um, generally they require your dog to, or to, I guess it probably depends um, country to country, but generally it's, well, in Australia, you usually keep your dog in a crate while you're waiting to compete or unless you're toileting. Um, but did you know, did you know, this is really interesting. I found it interesting anyway. Um, if you live in Finland or Sweden, it's actually illegal to keep dogs in crates overnight or during work days. Um, the only really? reason you, yeah, and the only reason they should be used um, is for transportation, illness, or other temporary or acceptable reasons. Yeah, the other, there's a couple of, couple of. I'm just thinking while you're on the list, there's a couple of other things you've got. Um, groomers and walkers also tend to use crates a lot. So groomers and what? Sorry. Dog walkers. Dog walkers. 
yeah, oh, often yeah. use crates in the back of vans and things. Yeah. So if your course, dog yeah, isn't yeah. used to going in a crate, then you know, getting them thrown in the back of a van in a crate can be a, like a, a a a big thing. So yeah. I don't yeah. know about you guys in uh, in Australia, it's illegal to be in a car um, without securing your dog. So your dog can't be in a car without being secure. Um, personally, I would rather my dogs be in a crate where they can maybe move around and settle down than be on a harness where their movement yeah. is often more restricted. So. Um, I have I have three dogs. I have three crates in my van, but yeah, wow. I, I just think they're probably a bit safer for your dog as well in a car if there's an accident or something. Why shouldn't we crate a dog? So obviously, if you live in Finland or Sweden, <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't crate a dog. Don't do it. <laughs> I wonder what they do. I wonder what they do for like you know. Do you get fined or reported to the you know, dog risk, you know, RSPCA, I don't know what it's called in Finland or, you know, um, SPCA. I think it's so much a part of the culture over there that they don't, they don't think to create like we do. It's not, you know, certainly in the UK, um, I'm assuming for you in Australia as well and for you guys in the US, it's become such a big part of our culture to create our dogs. I mean, you're only talking maybe 20 years ago 30 where no one never put a dog in a crate yeah it's not something that we used to do I don't know I've never heard of one when I was a youngster I think a lot of people use them for puppies here in the U.S. and then kind with the aim to phase them out you know because like Ness said the potty training but also chewing Mm. Mm. yeah so it's a management strategy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I think I think most people kind of start there and then phase them out if their dog can handle it. Our dog that we had prior to Rowan just couldn't handle being out of his crate. Like he, mm. he would open the refrigerator, <laughs> he would, like just some really bad choices. <laughs> um, not every time, but often enough to where you were like, hmm. um, but like Rowan, even as young as six months old, he could be out of his crate fine with no problems. Yeah. Anything. So I think it can be really dog dependent. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so obviously we, we also know that confinement for separation anxiety dogs can make them worse and can make mm -hmm. the fear worse. Um, and then they panic and they try to escape and that's when they severely injure themselves. So you hear those stories where owners, <coughs> excuse me, I have got a very sore throat today, um, but you hear those stories where owners come home and their dog's all bloodied, um, you know, their paws are all bloodied um, because they've tried to get out or they have got out and, and like Anna writes, you know, the Tinky nearly lost his eye because he was so frantic and trying to escape. And, and right. as we said, it's like, um, we could say, I mean, look, putting a dog in a crate is management, isn't it? You're not training the dog to overcome its fear. Um, but with an SA dog, it's, it's, it can only make the anxiety worse and so escalate mm -hmm. rather than diminish the fear. So while your furniture is safe and your electronic devices are safe and um, your dog isn't safe emotionally um, and your dog's learnt nothing because, um, you know, they're still fearful. 
Yeah. So what alter what alternative would you give people if they've got a dog that is destructive, but they have to leave that dog, you know, they have to work for several hours a day or they have to go, you know, they have to go somewhere. So they have to leave the dogs at home. What alternative advice would you give them if they couldn't put the dog in a crate? Management. Uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. Managing absences. Did I just do the thing? <laughs> Did Stacey just go all quiet? Did we just do the thing? Teach a question. <laughs> Ask a question. Silence. You did the teacher question. <laughs> um, yeah, managing absences would be the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right. we, we've talked about this before, but, you know, fam- relying on family or friends to mind the dog. <clears throat> um, doggy daycare, pet sitter, dog walker, et cetera, et cetera. And there's also, I mean, we've, we've got alternative space. I mean, if you've got no choice, absolutely no choice but to leave your dog, and you can't leave them in the crate, then that's when we start thinking of alternative spaces. So making it somewhere that is safe for your dog to stay. Like yeah. A, you know, a different room or a different area of the house where they can't hurt themselves or destroy things. Yeah. I mean, you could use pens, but I, I think, um, you know, a bigger dog's just going to jump over a pen. So, um, yeah, the- I just, I really struggle with with the dogs that get so panicked that they're you know in that blind panic where they're destroying things and you know is there a room that's going to be safe enough for that dog yeah because they're still going to try and escape exit points and things like that aren't they exactly you almost have to find a way to to find coverage for those dogs and definitely both um situational meds um could maybe help in that type of situation it is heartbreaking to you know know that you have to leave and that your dog is panicking you know that's Mm. that's when you don't know and you come home to it that's kind of the one one thing but when you know you have to leave like say in an emergency or whatever and you're and you know your dog is having um that big of a reaction to your leaving that's just it's heartbreaking you're quite correct yeah and you just I mean it's just that guilty feeling but also what am I going to come home to what Mm -hmm. you know what has my what will my dog do and you can you can understand why owners use crates because they feel that they're protecting their belongings they also feel that you know in those extreme situations when they can't find that coverage they feel like they're um protecting their dog by putting it in a crate too which in you know I guess they are in terms of maybe physically, provided the dog doesn't break out of the crate. But, but <laughs> unfortunately, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's um, the dogs can also hurt themselves in a crate. So it's sort of caught between well, a rock then, and a hard place. Yeah, and then the, just the psychological trauma of being yeah. trapped in a small space when you're feeling anxious is, you know, I think. Um, we've talked about before, you know, even I think people struggle sometimes because they'll say, well, my dog will sleep in a crate at night and will go into the crate during the day. But when I leave, they freak out in the crate. And, and I think it's, it's that whole thing. Like, I'm not afraid to go into my closet, for example, as a small space, but 
if there was a fire in my home and I was locked in my closet, I would be more afraid than if I had some choice in where I was going to be. I get claustrophobia. So um, I, my greatest fear is being locked, um, you know, being in a lift. You know, you get those really old rickety lifts sometimes. <laughs> I, I'm f- so fearful when I get in lifts like that in particular, but any lift, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to make it to the floor. And if there's stairs, I'll always take the stairs. But, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I can feel my heart rate go up. And if, that, if it's one of those rickety old lifts that kind of cough on the way up, <gasps> yeah really scared really scared and I I do start panicking a little bit so and that would easily escalate easily if uh if that lift did stop <laughs> luckily yeah. it's never happened yet but yeah um so I I don't know what it's like to be locked in a crate as an SA dog but I I have an inkling let's put it that way and also let's remember that um I think it's really important to stress this to our listeners is that crates should never be used as a form of punishment right um, oh right yeah yeah so so for me teaching a dog to be in a crate it should be a happy safe place that they enjoy going and um and which is why I don't have a crate in the house at the moment but if I did the door would be open so they can go in there whenever they want um so so it's really important to let people know that um if 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 it's been used as an aversive um say say you've got a young dog and it's being naughty and you chuck it in the crate and leave it in there for a couple of hours and so you know the the dog thinks the crate's a really bad place um you know so if it's been used like that and then you want to then you want to go out and you want to put your dog in there then the dog's not going to view that crate as a really nice place it's going to think oh god it's even you know worse so for a separation anxiety dog um yeah it's is is it learned helplessness if they, you know, they might go in there and shut down. Like, what do you guys think about that? Learned helplessness. Bad. <laughs> I'm just trying to think if I've, ever, if I've ever actually come across that in a crate. What, um, where they just shut down? Mm. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. seen it in, in other, you know, with, with other aversive training techniques, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Personally, I don't think I've ever seen it in a crate. Um, I have the the trainer that used to well maybe still does I'm not sure work with the rescue that I had been um, volunteering with for a while his solution to separation anxiety was put him in a crate with a bark collar and a shock collar oh god and and you know, do all of the things, which of course there's no part of that equation that we would agree with. But those dogs then were, I'm doing heavy air quotes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> when they, but then they, they would go down. to their new home and you know, they don't they don't they would start being you know they were afraid again but in his in his training situation in his garage where he had all the crates and you know that's what that's how he worked them through separation anxiety and you know the dogs would not bark and claw at the door and do all of those things because of the consequences yeah so then in those 
those dogs would become shut down in their crates. And of course, mm. you're not achieving anything, are you? You're certainly not getting them over the fear. No, you're just adding to it, really, right? Mm. That's really sad. Very sad. But that that's what prompted me to become a trainer. So in that way, that's okay. the silver lining. <laughs> right. That's that good. Is, cool. Not cool. Cool. <laughs> well it's cool that you're a trainer but um yeah so but not cool not cool what he was doing to those dogs and I'm assuming he's still doing it is he um I I don't know because I I'm not working with that um rescue anymore yeah fair enough fair enough yeah but the, I mean look we know that's like really it's, it's apart from being totally outdated it's totally wrong as well uh, one other thing that I did want to mention is that as a general rule, like we've been talking about, dogs do better with more choice and more space. But as we all know, there are exceptions to the rule. Um, and if you think that your dog is an exception to the rule and would do better in a crate, what I would encourage you to do is do a baseline test of them in the crate and then also do a baseline test with them out of the crate and just try to distinguish which is easier for your dog. That's a super easy way just to to see how the crate figures into the equation. Yeah, and I think it's really important to stress to owners that the ones that are saying, I can't leave my dog outside of the crate because it's going to do X, Y, Z, is that when you are working with a specialist like us, um, that we don't leave them by themselves. They, we manage our absences. We have cover for them when we're not there. And then we start the training. And that is when we have a camera on them and we're watching them. Um, so we can leave them out. They're going to be more comfortable outside of the crate. But... They're not going to do anything because we're never going to let them go over the threshold. And if you're not sure what a threshold is, if this is your first time listening, go back a couple of episodes and there's a whole episode on thresholds, which will be is invaluable for people that don't, you know, we, where we go through and explain what they are. Um, so I won't go into that now, but yeah. So, so when we're training, we keep them under that threshold. So they're not going to destroy your belongings or hurt themselves and, the training will progress quicker because they're not in the confinement of a crate. Definitely. And also we've got that, the, I think like Stacey touched on earlier, the, the thing about that quite often you'll find that they sleep quite happily in a crate on a night, but, but don't yeah. want to go in that in the same crate during the day. So the training itself won't affect that either. So if your dog's been happily sleeping in a crate on a night, then they'll probably continue to do so. But what we will do is, is take out that anxiety in the crate during the day because they won't need to be in it because we'll be helping with the training. The, the, the issue, I mean, we've got the issues, don't we? We have the issues of, of when you keep them in a crate, um, if, it's, if it's aversive to the dog, then it's a, it, it creates a whole set of problems that you didn't have before. So if you've right. got the puppy that's coming home, um, if the breeder's not done any crate training either, that really doesn't help because as a puppy owner, you don't get puppy crate training information you just get told 
that they need to go in a crate and that in itself can create a problem because even the dog might not have separation anxiety but without clear and simple crate training techniques then you can get that wrong and then we've got the case of the rescue dog that comes home and again the rescue have told the the, the new owner put them in a crate because they've been in a crate at the rescue but what they've been in at the rescue quite often is nothing like what they're in in a home environment and then mm-hmm. that can all go horribly wrong and again because the poor owner who's just got this rescue dog hasn't been given a clear and concise instructions on how to create train the dog and mm-hmm. create training the dog is, is quite specific and involves you know the 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 ways that we go forward in crate training involve the emotional state of the dog. You know, you don't move forward on crate training. So you don't move forward on shutting the door for any length of time until the dog's happy with that. Right. You know, and they're no longer trying to, they're no longer vocalizing or trying to escape or all the other things that they would do. So we've got, it's all that side of in, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big one is especially for, for puppies and rescues is is putting crate training on the list of things to train right because i think what people think about is you know the potty training number 1 and then also you know the puppy biting and that sort of thing is obviously a really salient thing for most owners but most people don't think about home alone training and crate training. Um, they think those are kind of like pre-installed things because it's something that I think largely we, we don't talk about enough. Yeah, very good points. Um, so I'm going to be a school teacher now. And, uh, <laughs> and I'd like oh, you go, go. to answer my question. Um, and if you do, you'll get a gold star. Ooh. Or not. If you don't, you're going to detention. <laughs> oh, no. A lot of pressure here. <laughs> right. So <clears throat> frustration versus separation and anxiety in dogs in a crate. What is the difference? Do we train it differently? How do owners tell whether their dog is has got separation anxiety as opposed to they're just frustrated and they just want to come out? And what do we do about do it? Do you want to answer that? <laughs> Well, who's, who's going to put their hand up first? <laughs> I'll put my hand up then. Okay. Um, from where I've seen, the difference between frustration in a crate versus separation anxiety is does the behaviour escalate? So when you've got young dogs or puppies or rescue dogs, if they're in the crate and they are vocalising because they want to come out or they're trying to escape, you know, they're, they're biting at bars and things like that, ones that are just... When it's just frustration, they're less likely to cause self-injury in the desperation to get out of a crate. And yeah. they're also more likely to maybe vocalise for a couple of minutes and then decide that actually I'm okay where I am and settle down and have a little sleep or you know just have a little chill out in the crate. Whereas the ones with separation anxiety, it just keeps on getting worse. They just get more and more anxious more and more worried more and you know louder and louder or more and more desperate to the point where they will injure themselves in order to get out of a crate so sarah you get a gold star and stacy you're going to detention no but i can talk about something i can talk about something now let me talk about something 
<laughs> I oh, have another, ask thing another question. <laughs> I'm going to talk about something really important that we haven't talked about. <clears throat> One of the things also that doing the baseline test in and out of the crate can help us with is sometimes dogs can just have um, confinement anxiety or confinement phobia. So really it's not that they are anxious that you've left. It's just that they're anxious that they're confined. And once you let them out of the crate, then your job is done. There, there's no residual anxiety. There's no home alone training to do. So I have had um, a couple people that I've worked with that that's been the case is that we thought it was going to be this long road. And, you know, the first thing I always do is say, let's try them out of the crate. And then um, that was like, okay, we're done. We're done with this. <laughs> so, so, and, that's, and that's really fantastic. Yeah. Hey, hey, Stacey, I wanted to ask you, do, do in America, do you guys call crates kennels? Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it, does it, is that dependent on the area you live in or? I don't know the answer to your question, but oh, I don't well, want you to. You are to, going to detention then. No, I don't <laughs> want to. Um, well, okay. So people will call crates and kennels the same thing, but then also people will refer to a larger area as a kennel as well, like an outdoor yeah. Uh -huh. So yeah. it's a little bit confusing. I think most people would call it a crate and then the outdoor thing, a kennel, but some people do call their crate a kennel. Yeah. And, you know, we, you were talking earlier about the, um, you know, the trainer that would chuck a dog in a crate and mm -hmm. zap it for want of a better word until it learns to just be quiet. There's the complete flip side of that coin where there's some people that don't believe in using crates at all because they think it's cruel yeah. for the dog but in saying that I mean I you know nobody wants to lock their dog up in a crate I get it but I think they're just invaluable tools and for you know sometimes you just they you know you can end up with dogs and shelters because um, you know, if the dog's not going through separation anxiety training with, you know, a specialist or any, some sort of training to help them be home alone and they're not using a crate and the owner keeps coming home to a destroyed house, then what's the first thing? I bet you there's hundreds, if not thousands of dogs that are surrendered to shelters because, because of those two things not happening. What, what do you reckon? Yeah, I do think there's a lot of dogs who struggle with separation related behaviors in shelters and rescues. Um, it's hard to know, you know, did those dogs get surrendered to the shelter because they were struggling with those behaviors or did the technical word scariness of ending up in a shelter or rescue trigger the separation related behavior, you know, in a dog that maybe had a propensity for it. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean, there are, there are some people that don't believe in creating dogs full stop, which is, I, I don't, I can't wrap my head around that because, you know, if you do have to take your dog to it, just for an example, a vet or something, 
you know, you want them to be happy in a crate. That said, just playing devil's advocate here since we're already uh-huh. in detention. <laughs> since dogs are such good distinguishers, do you think that a dog that feels safe and happy in a crate at home but is scared of new situations, strangers, whatever, is going to be any more comfortable in a crate at the vet because they've been crate trained at home? You know, yeah, that's yeah, kind play, of what I play. wonder. Yep, no, I, I, I take your point definitely. Yeah, I mean, and vets are pretty scary, aren't they? I mean, well, you know, vet, for the, Rowan, they are. I they mean, are for one of my, well, my dog as well. Yeah, and it's, it's not, it's not, it's not just the crate at the vet, is it? It's the whole thing. It's the way it smells. It's all yes. the noises. You know, mm. a dog that's, you know, they're used to home, and all of a sudden they're in this situation where they don't know anybody. Everything smells wrong, and there's loads of dogs that are or cats or whatever it is that are also very distressed, making mm-hmm. distressed noises and things. So it's a scary suppose, place. Yeah, the way we think about it is that if they're crate, crate trained, it's one less distressing part of the entire yeah. visit. But when you were, you know, just then when you're saying about, you know, there's people who who think of crates of, as being cruel you know and it's it's hard for us to think of people thinking that way well you know as we know there's there's several countries that think that way so we know that they're not on their own <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> the, yeah the whole of finland thinks that way you know so it's, <laughs> and um, sweden <laughs> you know what what do they do you know if, if they I, you know what, what do they do how do they manage toilet training yeah. and all the rest i mean of it? they they say they can use them for transportation illness and other temporary acceptable reasons. But I think in Europe, they treat dogs differently to the way we do. You know, dogs go everywhere with them. It's not a big issue to take them out with you. Mm. I don't know about you guys. In Australia, it's like, you know, you've got a dog beach and you can only take your dog to a dog beach. Um, you, you can't take your dog to a shopping centre. You're not really supposed to take, you can't take them on public transport, to my knowledge. Do you know what I mean? Like... We- it's totally different in 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 Europe. Yeah, I've just realised you just said you can't take them on public transport. I don't think so. I'd have to double check that. But the, right. Yeah, that's nothing okay. to do with crates, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But the thing is, I suppose. I mean, if if you've got a dog with separation anxiety and you're limited with the kind of management that you can do at home with regards to friends and neighbours and things like that then the more places that you've got that you can take your dog, you know, the easier it makes life, doesn't it? So yeah. obviously for you guys in Australia, if, if the, the field that you can, that you've got to play in becomes more and more narrow, it becomes more and more difficult and more and more important that people actually do training for the separation anxiety dogs, as opposed to leaving them at home. That's a good point. And um, I mean, obviously in summer here, like you could, if you were popping into the shops in winter, you could leave your dog in the car with the windows cracked. Mm -hmm. But in summer, um, you can't, it's too hot. And there are really strict laws now about leaving dogs and kids, obviously, in hot cars in summer, um, because they don't last long, unfortunately, and I won't go into that. But yeah, so... So you so, so in summer you you restricted them where you can take your dogs in terms of popping mm. to the shop, for example. On the bus or the train or the no. you don't have do you have tubes over there? We have trains. Oh yeah, no, no. Uh, we do have trains. Um not not YouTubes as such, the way you guys have. We don't but we do have trains, but but you're not as far as I'm aware, you can't take dogs on oh. them. Mm. I mean obviously a, 
assistance dog or something you could but um, yeah yeah mm. oh we can yeah we can and, and one of our um big uh for want of a better word um higher end stores in the uk uh they've also decided that you can take your dog in there and it's, oh, wow. I mean, it's one of these places that you know they've it's a clothes it's one of these stores that um does clothes and jewelry and you know it's, it's a big oh. department store and you can take your dog in there and i dread to think <laughs> in some of the departments in that <laughs> store where they're selling designer dresses <laughs> <laughs> with some uh, of the dogs i know <laughs> if you took them in there i can't imagine quite you know the corners of some areas would not be, be a bit yellow but yeah, yeah but you can take them in and i mean that really surprised me more you know for because there's so many places that you can't and yet in right. i know in france you can take you know you can go to restaurants with your dogs in france yeah. and they don't even blink so any thoughts on the uh, on types of crate do you have you know, do you have all the different types where you are? You know the the very kennels and the material ones versus the more cage like types, or yeah, so yeah, we do. And I think you know the, the bottom line thing to remember is that the strength of the crate is not what should be held holding your dog in the crate, right? Yes, because there are those who suggest the indestructible crates out there exactly which, you know if you're using an indestructible crate because your dog is destroying a normal crate then you've got a major problem yeah because if yeah, the crate's you know, not the answer if somebody comes to you and they are absolutely desperate to crate train their dog to crate train the dog them? would you help them yeah crate for separation anxiety or in general yeah, if, if they're absolutely adamant that they want they want their dog to, to be able to be happy in a crate. Okay, so so do you want me to talk to you about a client that I just started with? Yeah, well, okay, well, okay. Um, <laughs> so I just started with a client and they have um, a rescue beagle mix who is just adorable. But they also have two cats who are also oh my god i what? have pretty much the same client they've got a beagle yeah. it's, it's purebred and this is couple they've just moved in together um and the dog's been doing separation anxiety training with me doing really well until it moved in with the cats <laughs> yeah but anyway so that's not what you're talking has to be a game changer and so basically um they're they're really not they don't trust the relationship between the cats and the dog yet right like same 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 snap right so what and the cats also aren't doing a lot to try to preserve their own lives and will like jump <laughs> over the gates to be with the yep. dog and oh so, my gosh you know so that's the whole the crux of the situation there so what we've decided to do is just start with um ground zero of crate training. She's not had a long history of bad experiences in a crate that we know of. Um, so that is one positive. So we have started, we're just like, we just finished our first week together. So that first week, all that we've been working on is crate training from ground zero, getting her to love the crate. 
Um, this week we are adding some door desensitization with her out of the crate, but because the, the absences will be so short, they're really just touching the door at this point um, with her out of the crate and then still working on building duration in the crate. So we kind of have like two parallel things going on and then we'll combine at some point and see how she does with doors if we're in the crate. What I'm kind of hoping is that they figure out that she's not a risk to the cats and she can just be out of the crate. But um, if that doesn't happen, we'll just try it in the crate and see how she does and then reassess. We did an assessment um, with their initial consultation with her in the crate and, you know, she did paw at the crate right at the door right away. So that's why we went all the way back to, to crate training. So, yeah, I mean, I think it can be done, but it just makes it a longer road, right? And so I think one of the things that we all try to do with our clients is really streamline the process and make it as easy and as quick. And we know that separation anxiety is, our home alone training is not quick, but we try to make it as achievable as possible. And so adding the crate in is, is kind of a little obstacle there. So, mm. and, and depending on the dog, it can be a, like just a total no-go. That's, it's not happening. So. Yeah, my um my client um isn't using a crate. Um, there he's home most of the time, but yeah, the cats are little buggers. <laughs> they they the dogs the dogs um getting on with one of them, but the other one is, is doing exactly what you're describing, just stirring stirring it up. And yeah, they're trying mm -hmm. to do the separation anxiety training, but they're trying to wear the cats out before they start the training. <laughs> <laughs> right so so he takes the dog for a walk she um they're her cats um but yeah like I said they've just moved in together she like plays with the cats to try and wear them out and then they try to do nice. the separation anxiety training and yeah just to try to there's, yeah, a it's, whole, it's, <laughs> there's a whole world of um cat enrichment out there yeah have more and more like toys you know how that was well, it seemed to me that it was more geared towards dogs in the beginning, but now there's like a whole product lines of cat enrichment and that sort of thing. So that might be something to have her look into. Yeah. And you mm. can click a train cats as well. Did you know that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. The same learning theories just totally apply. Yep. Speaking of which, my um, friend went to a chicken camp in Germany. Mm. <laughs> she, she, and now she's got a little birdie, a little parrot, and uh, yeah, she's click training her her parrot. I did a, um, a chicken camp uh, with, uh, with Bob Bailey. <laughs> oh, wow. People. Yeah, it was cool. um, um, terrifying and wonderful all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Chickens um, are fast. They are. Yeah, they are phenomenally fast and this might be a good time like... for you to do your chicken impression sarah <laughs> my chickens talk to me every morning when i go in there they all talk to me i do love chickens i miss mine and um, they purr do they yeah oh, yeah they're happy in summer in summer when they're happy and they're kind of like sprawled out and and doing a bit of dust bathing they purr 
And wow. it's a lovely little noise. I had no idea. Mm. Can you make well, that noise, Sarah? Mm. No. Can you? It's a really hard one. <laughs> Go on, try. I don't. I don't think I can do it. I don't. I'm not, I don't think I'm equipped with the right like vocal. Well, I've got to say, oh, Stacey, I'm very disappointed in you. I've sent you to detention. You can't do your chicken purr, and you haven't made up a word this episode. Oh, gosh. That's so right. you've got three strikes. <laughs> I'm an awful person. I usually come off of these as, like, feeling really good about myself, but now, <laughs> now, now I don't. <laughs> I'm just going to go in the corner and weep. <laughs> and I'm a, I've got a gold star. I'm a good girl, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Tales from the Doghouse, Separation Anxiety Explained. You can find us on, well, you probably know where you can find us if you're actually listening to this episode, but we are on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and other listening apps, and also all, on all of our websites. Uh, if you would like to like follow subscribe give us a five-star review we will love you forever if you have any questions you would like us to address reach out to one of us um you can find me at ness n-e-s-s at roughdiamonds.net ness at rough r-u-f-f diamonds with an s dot net <laughs> um yeah send or and or reach out to stacy or sarah and yeah let us know um if you've got any questions so we can address them you can find me at focus fun dogs on facebook or instagram or email me at stacy at focusedfun.net fabulous and you can find me on separation anxiety solutions on my website or on facebook and instagram and i think that's about it really <laughs> not twitter thank you very much for listening it's been wonderful yes <laughs> yeah thanks thank till you. next week bye bye, bye. bye.